There seems to be some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, brought to you by Birmingham Mortgage Group and My Brother's Cup. Hope you had an amazing week. I uh, understand you've been through the ringer. 46 hours of personal, business, marketing, emotional training with Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within. It was a gift from my husband, something I always wanted to do. Yeah. Ace, it was a lot. I learned a lot, but wow. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of hours and they would give us a 15 minute break. And so <laughs> 15 minutes of 46 hours, that seems so, minimal. So it was intense, but what a wonderful experience. One of the things I loved, and I think you can really appreciate this now that our podcast is worldwide. I, I was wanting to plug our podcast during this event. Right. Because they would have breakout groups. So you'd have this big discussion and be all energized or all emotional. And you would just be wanting to talk. And they mm -hmm. would take you and pair you with three or four people from around the world. So we have this incredible couple from Israel. And the woman had no self-confidence. She thought she was ugly. She thought she would never find mm -hmm. love. And what did I do? Oh, I went to work. Yeah. I'm like, have you been on the internet? That's where I met my husband. She was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to meet a woman in Ireland who said, you're from Alabama. I said, yeah. She says, well, I'm being stalked. I'm terrified. I have cameras on my house. I said, well, in Alabama, we have guns, which horrified everyone on the breakout sure. group. Okay. Right. Horrified by the Alabama girl with the guns. Right. I said, well, uh, just saying for me, I would feel safer. I'm safely armed. I'm trained. Yeah. But it was a really cool discussion. Anyway, one <laughs> thing I want to share from all of the speakers. There is a gentleman named Nick Santa Nastasso. I have practiced that last name. Good job. Defies the odds. First of all, he doesn't walk out. He hops out on his torso. He has no legs. He has no arm. He has barely an appendage that looks sort of like a finger on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. That's it. And he gets up real close to the camera and he says, what is your excuse? And I went, wow. he said, I'm in junior high being tortured. I was bullied so bad. You wouldn't believe what they did to me. He said in high school, oh, watch out. He said, I, I thought I'm never going to kiss a woman. Mm. I'm a trunk with a head. I think my head's pretty hot, which all made us laugh. He's right. a beautiful face. He said, you know what? I went to my mom and dad and I said, I want to be a wrestler like my brother. They said, son, you can't do that. It will break the little appendage you have left. He said, all right, I want it removed. So he left what was like a little finger. He became a wrestler. Then he became a bodybuilder. Then he said, all of your shoulds, I should work out. I should be in love. I should work on my relationships. I should work on my emotional health. He said, when will you turn that into a must? Mm. 
what are your limitations? He said, I, do, I work out 45 minutes a day, and 45 minutes a day I spend on learning something new. I'm in love. I have a great life. I'm happy. He said, and my brother, who had all of his arms and legs, just died from an overdose of heroin and fentanyl. Wow. He said, get healthy. Yeah. Get up. Make life happen. And then he said this. Do you ever wake up and go, oh, I should work out. I need to go to the gym. He said, you get to go to the gym. He said, all oh, those relationships that bother you, you're alive to enjoy the relationships. Yeah. You can wrap the arms that God gave you around somebody you love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know about you, Ace, but it realigned my insides. Yeah. I thought, you know what? And he's smiling. He's gorgeous. He's fun. Yeah. And then he leaves the stage. <laughs> and then everybody's... Challenged and in a wreck. Yeah. Well, and I love that because, I mean, I I come from a frame of mind where don't make excuses. Like, there may be inconveniences that might slow down your progress or, you know, your healing or whatever it is that you're going through. But don't make excuses just one day at a time. You know, you get to do X. Is that you get to play an instrument or you get to go to a job or you get to be in a you know, relationship. I mean, all of these things are get to's because of God's blessings in our lives. So I love his fire because we really, when you look at someone who has all odds against him and he's not making excuses, he's living his best life. And why can't we do the same? I, I love that. What a, what a great, <laughs> he's being unlimited. I like it. He is being unlimited. I love it. I love it. Shall we talk about waiting on the Lord? Mm. You know, we don't like to always wait. We're in a microwave. I shared this with you once. I'll share it again. I had a three and a half minute microwave meal. And about two minutes into it, I said, this is taking forever. Why does everything take forever? It's embarrassing. I'm yeah. not known to be highly patient. Well, you you have grown a lot in the time I've known you, so I I applaud where you are now because it's fantastic. But but I was that too. Like I I remember early on, I had a mentor that was like, "You need to chill. You're too uptight. You're letting everything bother you. You're worrying about what everybody thinks of you." And I actually had a friend of mine this week. He said, "It's funny how when you're in your 20s, you worry about what everybody thinks of you. Then you hit your 40s and you don't care. And then by the time you're in your 60s, you realize no one was talking about you anyway." <laughs> And they're worried about themselves. I'm like, that's so true. But when we're waiting on God, it's in that waiting that we get into that headspace. And, you know, the voices are so much louder than we want them to be, or we allow them to get louder than God's voice. And then the waiting just seems like it's taking forever. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. So how does he strengthen our heart? Well, it helps us align with his will. Mm. If I get my way and it's all about me, it, it may not go so well. Yeah. God's plans for us are good. Right. Well, his yeah, timing and, isn't our timing. Yeah. Though God's word says that for a reason. And the thing I love about that is that then it immediately gives us purpose because we've talked about this multiple times, but it always bears repeating. If we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and the thing that's happening to us right now 
doesn't rock his kingdom, then why should we be rocked? And that's where I feel like if we could, if we could get comfortable in our skin and find our purpose, which is to seek first the kingdom of God, then it allows us to be in more of a waiting mindset. Because how many times, and you don't have to give specifics, but just say, you know, like a raise of hands in your heart and mind. <laughs> but when, when you know that God has given you the drive for something and then you want it now, but now is not the time to shine in that area. Like there may be some training that needs to go. There may need, you need to get with some consultants or mentors. You need to put a board together, whatever it means for you to get ready for the thing that's coming. But then once it's ready, it's like the wheels are spinning. And as soon as it hits the ground, vroom, you take off. But so many times we get in God's way and we slow down the progress because we think because he's laid it on our heart now, that means it's happening now but no, that's it's like, okay, let's, I, I want to help people. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Are you a chaplain? Are you a pastor? Are you a priest? Are you, you know, life coach, whatever there, there comes a thing where you have to be in a place of training. Like I didn't just wake up one morning and know how to play the drums that took years of me in my room, hammering out the songs that I needed to learn how to play in order to get to a place that I could call myself a drummer, let alone to be able to play out in public. And that's the thing is we have, we spend our time with God in prayer in meditation in worship in those moments where we try to understand, okay, God, you're giving me this passion. So provide for me all the things that I need, the resources, the tools, the people in order to make it happen, the money to make it happen. And then he does, but we all of a sudden want it now. So we have to stay in that challenge of waiting. And that's the part that I love right now with Lent. If you thought about that, you know, we, we give up something for 40 days and then it's a bragging right. Well, I gave up this for 40 days. Look at me now when that's not the whole purpose. The purpose of Lent is for you to create a, a behavior so that after Lent, you continue the behavior. And that's the thing that I feel like, especially when it comes to waiting is in those 40 days, we're, you know, we're waiting for the 40 days to end, but not for the bragging right of it. It should be for the transformation for us to be able to say, I'm so much closer to God after this Lent. And you don't even have to ever mention what you gave up or what you picked up for those 40 days. But if you become a better waiter by the end of 40 days, isn't that what it's all for? That's really good. I couldn't agree more. You know, I still need to work on my patience. <laughs> Tell me how that works out for you. <laughs> Pieces of dating advice that are actually helpful, starting with rethink your list. You know, we've got our list of everything we want, and we want to cross off all 30 things on the list. Mm -hmm. And I do believe sometimes when we're hung up on something that may be minute, we just eliminate a lot of potential people that may be the love of your life. Yeah. That doesn't mean compromise on, on important things. It just means don't not go have that coffee with somebody that's in a profession that maybe doesn't appeal to you. Mm -hmm. Did you have a list when you met Wayne? Like, did you already know in your mind or in your prayers, this is what I want? Yes. But let me tell you, looks were very important to me as a young person and older with more experience going through a long-term marriage, going through divorce. I said, Lord, I'm not too worried about looks anymore. Mm -hmm. I want character and I want someone who can manage money and I want someone who's honest and I want someone who's fun and looks, but God gave me looks too. 
and the great thing about men is we just get better looking with age. So, Ooh. you know, it's Oof. that vintage. <laughs> and that's not fair at all. That's true. And it's not fair. Uh, clarity. Clarify things often. I think this is so important. Whatever it is you're conversing about and you don't get it and it's starting to make you a little irritated. Mm -hmm. It may be just that you're not understanding what that person is saying, especially if they're new to you. Sure. We tend to go, Ugh, I don't like that. I'm done. Yeah. Does well, that make sense? Sure. And that's why I love like the idea of leading your heart versus, you know, the whole follow your heart. Well, you know, I, I got this feeling and it, I just, I just followed it. No, you have to lead it because I, I kind of equate that. I heard a pastor one time say this. He goes, think about a sponge. He goes, your sponge represent your heart. Are you laying it in the filthy water or are you actually laying it in the bowl that needs to be clean so that the next time you want to give your sponge away, that it actually is in a place of purity and in a place of contentment and peace, or are you just giving them an old nasty, smelly, stanky sponge? <laughs> I know that sounds really gross, and it it, but it painted such a picture that I needed to realize that I was in control with God's help to be able to place my heart in a place that even when I wasn't with anyone, that it was still in a place that was pure and clean and not just throwing it out to anyone go, all right, you get a sponge and you get a sponge, you know, because we give enough of ourselves all day. But I don't know that, I don't know if that makes any sense, but leading no, our heart does. to a place that God is trying to take us makes much more sense than falling all over someone for all the wrong reasons. Well, it's called regularly visiting the spiritual gym. Where where am I spiritually, physically, emotionally? Mm. Am I whole? A lot of times when we go through breakups, divorce, whatever it is, we're banged up. We yep. feel bad. Mm -hmm. And we're grabbing that first thing. Some of us don't like to be alone for five minutes. Yeah. But well, I, I we, love we, that we may too. not be ready. Yeah. And the heart is just as much of a muscle. I mean, it is a muscle as any, the rest of us. So we got to work it out. It has to stretch. You get those soreness. You remember after leg day, you're like, Oh, oh. please, Lord <laughs> Jesus, help me up the stairs. You know, <laughs> you need that. But, but we go through those times in the gym where certain workouts are for the whole body. And sometimes it's for a particular muscle. So give yourself that time to heal when you know, you just gave it a hard workout. One thing you need to do is call Birmingham Mortgage Group. Oh, my goodness. It is so confusing. I just feel like now if you want to get into a home, it's so complicated. And Turen Newell of Birmingham Mortgage Group, he is, he is a walking angel. He loves the Lord. He loves people, but he's brilliant. He yeah. is going to get you in a house that will have an interest rate that won't kill you. He's going to get you credit-wise and whatever it is you need to get a house if you're a first-time buyer. He weeded through all my junk. He weeded through a little of your junk mm -hmm. to get us both to where we needed to be. I'm so yeah. thankful for my home. Well, and it does help when you go to look at a house to have that pre-approval letter so that you know what you're going to be able to afford so that you don't walk into a house that you can't and then you're stressed because you're trying to make it work. And the thing is, he can grant that to you before you ever even start the house hunting process. And let's talk about rent in this area, all oh. around the country, in certain mm -hmm. parts of the world. Why would you want to do that when you can have a house? Yeah. When I was renting, they kept raising the rent. 
and I ran out of room and I had a storage facility. Well, I might as well have been paying a mortgage. Yeah. Well, and that my daughter, who's you know now an adult, she is do she's in that same vein. And I was like, you need to just call Turin and let him answer all your questions. And then when you're ready financially, he can get you that loan. And she's like, oh, that's true. So you know, it it helps to adult our adulting children. You know, it <laughs> makes a big difference. If you are ready and you want to get that pre-approval, check them out. Behammortgage.com. That's behammortgage.com or call Turin at two zero five. 259-1656. That's 205-259-1656. And tell them you heard about it with Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Conversational tricks to charm anybody. Ace already has all these down, but we'll go through them just oh, to help whatever. the rest of us. It's true. Ace is charming. I, I, I remember the days when women were contacting me. So tell me about that, Ace. <laughs> I tell still me. think that's funny. Like you were the bouncer of my love life. He's a hottie. And I would like, mm, back off. Oh, I'm big sister mode. I'll come out with claws on. <laughs> you Good. I'm, I was probably protected from way more than I want to know about. So thank you. Plug into the connection. Shift your focus to the connection you're making with the other person. You can tell when they are talking to you, if they really hear you, if they really get you, and if they're really listening, you can tell with your... Most communication, believe it or not, is with your physiology. Mm -hmm. And the next important thing is your voice quality. It's not what you say. Yeah. That's, we better pay attention to what someone is saying. Yeah. Which brings up a good point. <clears throat> In addition to charming, can we address the idea of the difference between men and women flirting? Especially yeah. if, especially if you're in a relationship, if you're married or you've been dating for a while, because I, I'm a firm believer that like flirting is just a natural, especially for us extroverts, it's just a natural thing that comes out. But I believe it's a little different for men versus women. So uh, I'll tell you mine and you okay. can tell me yours from there. So okay. I believe when men are flirting, it's just in a, that's just their body language. It's just a, like you're feeling that connection with someone over a conversation you're having or just the body language is, you know, what it is. And Guys just kind of, hey, all right, you know, I'm, I'm, don't realize I'm flirting, but I'm flirting and it, it's, it's fine. But with women, when they flirt, it sends the message to men that sex is an option. What? Yes. 100% do I believe this, which is why that's yeah. where the differentiation, I think, when signals are sent, when a man, when a man is flirting, I think women perceive that as just, oh, he's just, he's just being a flirtatious, fun, extroverted guy. You know, he's charming, right? He's working the room or whatever, or he's doing it and not realizing it. But then women, if you're flirting with a man, that's how the man is perceiving it. And so that's like, where it like, can some like you want to go to bed. Yeah. That's what, oh, so. That's am I off? Is that that's not totally colossally unfair? I'll start there. I realize life is not fair, but sure. you guys can be cute and up and make all sorts of funny comments. And but if we do that, then what you're telling me is the man perceives I want to sleep with him. That's yeah. appalling. That's but, appalling. I mean, but in all fairness, you're the gatekeeper. I mean, ah, listen, if I'm really that interested, I think. He would know if it was interested in that way. Sure. The I flirting mean, would be a little heavier. I mean, I 
could do a demonstration, but I'm not going to do that right now. But seriously. You don't need a When Harry Met Sally moment, please. Where I get in trouble, I have to watch me because I'm very touchy-feely and I break people's bubbles. Mm -hmm. And I don't realize I've got my hands on someone. And that's someone's, might be someone's husband, for God's sake, that I have my hand on. That's where I think I could send a mixed signal. But as far as flirting, if, all right, so what what would that constitute? To you, a lot of eye contact or a little look like, I I like what I see? Yeah, I think it's perceived a little, you know, like, you know, a woman touching your shoulder or your arm when she's talking to you or she's laughing at your jokes or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different but levels. It doesn't that doesn't mean she wants to sleep with you, does it? Okay. Well, that's, that's the message so. that, that's the message that guys are receiving and I'm, you know, maybe lifting a veil and all men are like, shh, don't tell them. But no, I mean, it's, it can get us into dangerous situations emotionally. But that'll get to the discussion that I had. On one radio station with four guys in the room, and they all told me it's impossible to have male and female platonic friendships because all the guys thinking about is where he's going to get with you. And I know for honest to God, true fact, bring out my Bible, put my hand on it, Mm -hmm. that you and I have a completely pure platonic, God-driven, God-focused relationship. It doesn't mean we're uptight and, oh, I can't you know, sure. talk to you about, but so I think that's wrong. But I think there, that comments to me comes from a place of someone who is not in a healthy place. All the lines are blurred between friendships and dating relationships and, you know, friends with benefits, casual, what, whatever it is you're calling it. But at the end of the day, you have to have a healthy heart in order to be able to define this is my boundary with this person. This is my boundary with this person. I mean, because like when I met Tawny, like I was thinking friends like, hey, we're going to go have drinks and, you know, just talk about our lives. And she literally texts me and go, no, this is a date, son. Like we are on we are going on a date. And I was like, OK, so I it allowed me to just be in date mode. But you but it is easy to blur the line if you don't set the boundary. So it, it, it can happen. We've talked about it. If you go a few episodes back, you'll hear our list of the things that make it platonic and can be a healthy platonic relationship. But again, if those lines have been blurred or, or, or here's where it happens too. You cross a line with a friend and then it blows up in your face and then you lose the relationship and the friend. And then you're nervous to ever think that a platonic friendship or platonic anything could ever happen again. And then you kind of stay in that for too long. That makes total sense. But you you know what kind of depresses me about the world now is there isn't much flirting. There isn't much courtship. There isn't much investment. It mm. just feels like we're going from zero to 90. Yeah. And we lose so much of, I mean, do you want to give yourself physically to someone you barely know? Right. I'm Really? Uh, where is, what is love about? Well, and I, I discovered this way too late in life is that my physical connection with people was because I was seeking a oneness emotionally with them. So if I crossed lines that I shouldn't have, it was because I was emotionally connected to someone. And then I either blurred a line of friendship 
or dated someone and then let myself get emotionally attached and they weren't necessarily there or they were there for a season and then fell out or whatever. You know, there's a lot of moving parts, but that's where I have had to get to a point where I consulted God before I met my wife. I was like, Lord, she's beautiful, her. And he'll go, no distraction. He'll go, no, just a friend. You know, he would make it very clear of that. Okay. You know, get as far away from that playground as you can. <laughs> and you can, you can only be over in this yard and not this one, you know, and, and, and for the right reasons. And, and I, and in that period from that revelation from there till the time I met my wife, anybody that came into my life of the opposite sex, he made it very clear. I would always ask, what is, who is she to me? And he would tell me, but that's where you got to have conversations with God about all of your relationships so that you can set the boundaries. Otherwise we exhaust ourselves and then we end up making the wrong choices based on a feeling or, you know, we didn't lead our heart, all the things that ties back into what we were saying earlier. You're so smart. You know that you're so smart that you're, it's only because I did it wrong for so long, (laughs) way too long. Goodness. I was exhausted. You're one of the many smart people that when you really crave coffee, you know that there's coffee and then there's the Roxanne blend of coffee. Mm -hmm. I chose it from a wonderful missionary who said, I'm going to name a coffee after you. I want you to choose it. And the one I chose has pecan and a little bit of butterscotch. You're like, what? Oh, it's so good. MyBrothersCup.com, the Roxanne Blend. We love it. It sends missionaries around the world spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And something that you might want to have in the office, especially if you want to have a health, healthier employees. And I think that's where, you know, because sometimes what's in the break room, like the amenities, you know, can sometimes be like, hey, I don't have to worry about where my morning coffee is coming from. Or, <laughs> there's there's always donuts in the break room or the, you know, the vending machine has healthy options or whatever. But those are some of the things that help to make your place of employment the best place to be. How do you keep those employees that you love? You allow for flexibility. The number one thing since we got through COVID-19, people got used to having a lot more flexibility and they don't want to lose it. Yeah. An opportunity to advance. You've been there, Ace, where you're Mm -hmm. stuck in a spot. You may even be told you will never move up. This will never happen to you. And what does that do to you and your future and where you want to go? Yeah. And if you're in that position where you've heard those words, of course, remember, you know, God's word says, you know, to work is unto the Lord, not as unto man. And that, that applies to when you're in that position. So it goes back to while you're waiting on God to move, still work with excellence because you're working for God. You're representing Christ in those moments. But if you're in a place that you are in charge and you can make your work environment better, Tell your people they're great at what they do. Give them goals, give them things to shoot for so that they know that, okay, you've been hired for this position, but we one day see you here. And then open that door in six months, 12 months, whatever it is, so that opportunity is always in front of them. People want belonging, they want friends at work, and they also want meaning. You know, for younger folks, that's the number one thing that they're looking for now, Mm -hmm. work that has Meaning, I don't know, Ace, if you've heard about, and I know we need to probably be wrapping up, the whiskey fungus. What? I like some good whiskey, but fungus does not make it sound attractive at all. 
You would not believe what is happening to the towns that surround the Jack Daniels distillery in Tennessee. Yeah. A dark growth. If you saw the pictures of it, you would be physically sick. Well, and I'm looking at it right now. I just Googled it to see what was happening because, you know. It looks like skin. Does it not? That is skin that is coming off something. Yeah. It, It is coating homes, cars, patio furniture. And it comes, it's the alcohol vapors off the barrels of Jack Daniels whiskey. It doesn't look good. It doesn't smell good. It is Mm. everywhere. And they're fighting now. They've gone to them and said, you need to have my homes pressure washed. And they say, no, we can't be liable for that. They say, look at the tax base we provide to the community. Mm. And we're going to expand and how much more money it will Mm. bring the town. And the people are like, my car's covered with brown stuff. Yeah, that's that kind of reminds me of when, you know, Flint, Michigan got nailed when, you know, GM left and or maybe it was Ford. I don't remember which car dealer was, but it left this toxic water and it was left untreated for the longest time. And not to bring up, you know, old scars, they're making amends on all that stuff now, finally. But man, what a mess. I mean, I, I wouldn't as someone who likes his house and his things to be clean and in place, I would be that irate neighbor. I cannot imagine you with brown stuff all over your belongings. Oh, you no. would lose your mind. Oh, if you I were the to tell you, person in America. <laughs> if you only knew how many times I go through the car wash with all the pollen that's been falling around, like, and then to make it worse, my cat loves to go in the garage and put his little paw prints on my car. I can see where his butt fell right in the middle of that <laughs> pollen. And I'm like, and now you're bringing that pollen in the house. <sighs> it's a mess. We're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, super excited when we get a chance to bring you special guests and definitely when we get to go into our love of movies and uh, telling Roxanne a little bit off air about my relationship with Bill Kelly. He used to be my sound guy and now he's like big, big time movie star and we welcome him to the show. How are you, Bill? You know, God works in mysterious ways. If you'd have told me 15 years ago, I'd be doing this today. I... I'd have said you're crazy, but then half of me would have said, "Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm going for." So, uh, yeah, uh, we've known each other for a very long time, and and uh, a lot of prayer went into making this career. Um, and I actually got to do a faith-based film, which was really kind of cool for me to do. Yeah. So for those that saw where the crawdad sings, then you probably recognize him as the sheriff had like major part in that movie, which I loved the movie. I didn't read the book because I'm one of those guys. I just wait for the great books to become great (laughs) movies. Uh, But uh, tell us about that experience. How did you get involved with that? Well, actually, my wife and I got into reading um, a lot of the, the books from Reese Witherspoon's book club. And I was... To back up a little bit, I, I, I'm i not sure if you remember back in well, years gone past, I was doing films with the uh, Florida State Film School, volunteering as an actor in student films. And I'd done probably 30 of those before, uh, after I'd gotten divorced, I, I said, well, let's see if we can give this a shot. So I went hunting for uh, an agent. I found two good agents. And... Uh, you know, did a few films and a, a few uh, television shows. And then I was halfway reading the book 
when I found out I got the audition for the film and I was down to basically the last chapter when I uh, found out that I'd gotten a part. So I uh, was pretty, pretty happy about that. And then, the, you know, to, to find out Sheriff Jackson um, later in the movie, we, we went to the premiere. I had no idea how this movie was going to be edited. I knew they were, you know, having to, to cut things down and make it look good. Mm-hmm. But I just had no idea it was going to be like the first 10 minutes of the film. So we're in New York at the premiere and I'm just sinking in my seat thinking I'd messed up, you know, I'd, I'd made something happen that I, you know, didn't mean to take the, the light off of, you know, some of the, the bigger, the stars of the show, but it was, uh, it was a little intimidating, a little overwhelming. Well, I don't know why with 50 TV and film credits over 50, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Do you prefer one over the other? Are they very different? You know, they are. They are quite a bit different. You know, the, the, I love films. That is just something that it's, I, I don't think an actor is ever going to say, well, I love TV more than films. Uh, you'll hear I love stage more than TV. But, uh, yeah, films are a whole new animal. Um, had a blast filming that one. It was shot in the middle of the summer of 2020, I think it was, in Louisiana, and it was hot. Uh, there were mosquitoes with, they were very large mosquitoes and, and um, horse flies yeah. uh, to the point where we were shooting one scene, and I, I, it was a silhouette of me in front of the headlights, me and my deputy, and we're like swatting horse flies. You know, they're all <laughs> over. I think we use like, you know, those two big 55 gallon drums full of mosquito spray and it, and it still didn't help, help any at all. But, uh, yeah, as far as film over television, I love doing both. I just finished a, a new series for NBC called found where I'm a recurring guest star in that. So I've done four of season one uh, episodes and really looking forward to that one coming out in the fall. Uh, but yeah, I've been very blessed to, to be able to do this. I, I, I so I'll take whatever I can get. Now, Bill, I know you had the chance to be in a film with Glenn Close. I, I just have to ask about that experience. Is she, is she what you would think or like just bring us to the set when you're on that with her? You know, it's a knock on wood. And, and I, I'm very thankful that I've really never met, never run into any actor on a set that has been a jerk or, you know, really tried to to you know, a diva or anything like that. And Glenn was about as down to earth as you can get. Uh, they all are. Uh, Amy Adams was on that as well as Ron Howard was the director. And, uh, but Glenn, the first day we got there for rehearsals, we'd all met at a, a, uh, country club lodge and sat down and got to know each other and, uh, then took off to the, the first set, which was the, the house that we were going to be shooting at and it had been absolutely pouring rain in North Georgia. And um, Glenn had pants on that were Bermuda type of, not, not pants, can't remember the name of them. They come down like half calf. And yeah. then she flip flops on and a rain jacket. So we're out there at the house and the rain had subsided and she's walking around in flip flops and mud, uh, squishing through her toes and everything else. And Ron's like, do you want me to get you some some boots? Anything? She goes, no, nah, I'm fine. You know, she's just out there like a kid running around with uh, mud squished between her toes. 
but we sat on the set with, you know, Pip, her dog, uh, who stole my seat. <laughs> um, I've got a great picture that has you know, got me sitting on the ground and Glenn going, I could have moved the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really down to earth. She's, you know, the day, first day I met her, she'd had me or, or uh, the vocal coach had asked me about doing an Appalachian dialect because I have family. I'm from Kentucky and had family in West Virginia, Tennessee and Virginia. And so I sat down and recorded in our station studio um, a bunch of, you know, just a, a, a Appalachian dialect and using it in sentences. And the first thing Glenn came up to me and said was, I appreciate you making that, but I couldn't understand a word you were saying. <laughs> uh, you know, talking about, you know, Jasper and Cygoglin and all the words that you use in yeah. Appalachian. So, um, so it was, you know, she's just a great lady. Uh, it's, it's a shame she's been nominated. I think that made her eighth time, seventh time as being nominated for an Academy Award and she didn't win it. Um, but that's kind of a shame. I was, we were really hoping that she'd, she'd take the award that year. But well, yeah, just a, a wonderful lady. Well, the, the list of stars that you've worked with is phenomenal. Anne Hathaway, Samuel L. Jackson, Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, it goes on and on. Is there any individual actor or actress that you just adore that maybe stands out for you that you got to work with? Oh, wow. <laughs> David Strathern was in, uh, he played Tom Milton in Where the Crawdads Sing. And he plays the attorney and he was pretty much the, the nicest soul you will ever meet. Just as, just as sweet as can be very cordial, very humble, uh, just a really, really nice guy. But, but honestly, I mean, most of them were, uh, I've worked with Dwayne twice, really had a better chance to talk to him on ballers. Uh, nice guy. Uh, I remember Mark Wahlberg sitting there on Pain and Gain talking to one of the residents who lived in the neighborhood we were shooting. And, you know, this guy is like 75, 80 years old. He has no idea who Mark Wahlberg is. And <laughs> he's kind of quizzing him like you would anybody that you didn't know. Uh, and he's like, so uh, how long have you been an actor? And he's like, oh, you know, so many years. And he goes, do you do you meet any stars? He goes, yeah, I've met a few. And where do you live? Well, Beverly Hills. Oh, I nice out there. And he had, you know, stardom and fame and all that stuff is relative to if you know who the heck that person is. Yeah. Um, you know, it just doesn't mean anything unless you really have an idea of who you're talking to. And, and Mark was very, uh, very humble and very sweet talking to this guy because he just, he obviously knew the guy had no idea who he was talking about. And then, um, you know, uh, Anne Hathaway, she and I were, we did uh, The Last Thing You Wanted on Netflix, and we're shooting in Miami, which is supposed to be Texas, and she's wearing a full polyester suit, I'm wearing a wool army suit, it's in the middle of Miami in the middle of summer, and we're just sweating to death, we're, we're burning up, and we're just sitting there talking, you know, just talking about kids, talking about dogs. Um, you know, we were in the middle of a shot and I, I said, you must be burning up. And she goes, at least I'm not wearing wool. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's nice to, to be able to walk on a set with people and, 
and understand that their lives are they're no different you know yeah. they're they're um for the like i said i i haven't met anybody who's been a jerk yet well and i think that you know coming off the oscars you know bill and you can speak a little bit into this as an actor of you know here we are seeing these big names that are winning Oscars that we've watched on the screen for years. And they have, you know, insecurities and, and all kinds of, you know, creative questions of, am I hireable anymore? And, you know, if I finally aged out and then, you know, you've got like Michelle Yeoh, who's like, don't let anybody tell you that you're past your prime. And, and you got into acting later in life. I mean, it, to me, it gives hope that, you know, we never have to retire. We just go on to the next thing we love what do you do in those moments when some of that sluggish between projects hits you? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because my agent, you know, I call her up and go, Hey, anything going on? And she'll go, I'll relax. Every actor calls their agent and says, is it over for me? Am I done? Am I washed up? Uh, and, and it's just, you know, you go through, through slow periods. I think the one thing that I, I, um, I get done with the project, you know, and I'm still working at the radio station. I've been there almost 37 years now, wow. but I get done with the project. I get back on the interstate to head back to, uh, you know, to the radio station and it's back to back to business and back to work. And yeah, coming in later in life, I think really helped me because I met a lot of stars in, in radio with, with uh, rock and country and top 40 and stuff. And so I'd met a lot of stars. I've, I've kind of been down that path where I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm used to it. I'm, I'm not in, um, intimidated by meeting somebody, mm-hmm. but being at it later in life, I think really, I took care of what God wanted me to take care of with, with raising my family and, and, um, you know, getting into a solid marriage and making sure all the bills are paid and all my responsibilities of my life are, are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, made the decision to, to go after my dream. So yeah, what, what Michelle Yeo said was absolutely true. You are never too old. I get people now that walk up. Uh, there's a friend of mine, Shane Stewart, who walked up to me in island wings at lunchtime and said man we saw crawdads and i loved i always thought about getting into acting and so i helped him find out how to you know go through the steps i'm always willing to help people especially older people who are you know thinking there's no way i could do this i'm too old to do this my motto is how old are you going to be if you don't right we always hear a lot about how difficult it is for christians right now with this culture, the Hollywood culture, and that it's anti-Christian. Have you had that experience? And how has God been able to use your faith around people that perhaps don't know him? Well, the one thing I have found out is it's it's really not as anti-Christian as you think it is. It's the squeak, squeaky will gets the, the grease syndrome is what I call it. And you're always hearing about the negative and you always hear about the people who don't yet. I'm, you know, working with people who are gathering the crew up for a prayer before, um, we start shooting. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine that worked on found with me is she sends me, uh, inspirational quotes all the time of people talking about their relationship with God. And, and, and so I look at that and, and I, I wish Hollywood would get rid of that stigma of um, it being just 
I wish they would better better the reputation of what Hollywood has as being, you know, it's not all crazy people who are anti-God and and uh, everything that you hear bad in the news today. It, the the bad stuff gets ratings and sells newspapers, as they used to say. But I think it's more than you think with uh, with people and their relationship to God. It it it's it's quite. Um, inspiring to to see what i see that's so great well bill we appreciate your time man and we're you know for me as your friend i'm elated that you're getting to do the thing you love and you know still be able to honor god in all the roles that you've been able to play we wish you well and uh with you know your next big project man you got a platform you come back and uh, we'll talk about it and uh, celebrate what god's going to do next thank you thank you thank you and i did do an inspirational uh uh, a Christian film, faith-based film once called The Ravine. You can pick it up on um, Amazon Prime, but it's based on a true story uh, about a, a lady who sees things uh, that are happening, you know, currently happening, and she goes, and it's and it's really a, a God story. <gasps> well, we'll have to check that out. Thank you so much for your time. God you. bless you. We'll be thinking about you and praying about you, and please come back again. Thank you so much for having me. So I just wanted to make you aware that there was such a thing as whiskey fungus. Now you know everything you need to know. I love it. I'm going to start a band, Whiskey Fun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thanks for hanging out. As always, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends so that you don't miss future episodes. We'll see you next Friday. Roxanne, I love you. Love you dearly. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.